Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, friends, to yet another episode of Everyday Truth. Appreciate you uh, joining us today. Obviously, uh, for those of you that are watching, uh, we've got John back with us. So, John, you got kind of a newfangled look there. Yes, Pastor. It's great to be with you. I had, I, the other day in the, in the hallway, I had a kid call me a pirate and started laughing at me. That's just, uh, I can't sing, so I'm not past the pirate, but uh, it's great to that. I had a surgery. My eye's doing well, recovering well. I'll just wear this patch for a few, several weeks. Yeah, so pray for John. He had a, a detached retina and had to get it, um, you know, surgically repaired. So things are going well, but obviously um, having to wear the patch for a while. I've got my downtown, my historic downtown Wilson, North Carolina mug from my friends down there at Fellowship Baptist. So thank you guys for the uh, the coffee and the mug. Appreciate it. Uh, we are in 1 John chapter 3 today, so if you would just find your place there. 1 John chapter 3 is, is such a convicting a passage of Scripture because it really just speaks to the essence of our Christian lives. And what does a true Christian look like? Uh, how does he behave? Uh, what are some marks that identify him? 1 John chapter 3 answers many of those questions. John, we said at the beginning of our First John study that we are to walk in light and we are to walk in love. And we've talked a lot about walking in light back in chapter one. And I think now in chapter three, we're going to talk about walking in love. Oh, you're right, Pastor. We're, this is First John three really is one of my favorite chapters in the in all of the epistles, either John or Paul. First John three is a powerful passage. And I'm, I'm excited to get to 1 John 3, 16, because it talks a lot about what you're talking about, about walking in love. And we're going to find this theme in chapter 3, carry through chapter 4. And it really is a great emphasis upon love and what we as believers all be like as we serve our Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking, John, uh, we're talking. I probably should have sat you on this side because you got your <laughs> eye all the way over this way. But we're going to make it. We're going to make it work. First um, John chapter 3 and verse number 1 the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. I love that word, behold. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. The word behold is, is a word of, of, of attention. It's a word of surprise. Like, see this. Isn't this a marvelous, what, what, a, what a notable thing. In some ways, even what a surprising thing. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. And what is it that is called to attention? What is it that is ought to surprise us? The fact that, that God loves us. The fact that God bestowed uh, his love upon us. Expand upon that for me, John. You know, Pastor, that, this is such a familiar theme to everyone who knows Christ their Savior that sometimes we, we lose how special this is. And here the Apostle John is just enraptured by this thought about the love of God. And of course, we know John 3.16 that John also penned, one of the most famous verses in all the scripture. But the fact that God loved us enough 
to redeem us and to make us his family, to make us his sons and daughters. You know, that, that is just an overwhelming thought that the God of all the universe, that the God who made heaven and earth, the God who did not need people whatsoever, the God who in himself, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, had perfect community, perfect union. They did not need anything outside themselves. And yet God chose to make people, knowing that they were going to sin, but he chose to make people. He ordained his son would die for their sins so that we could be reconciled to him and be part of family. There's something special about being family. Yeah. It's being part of a family. Yeah, and that and that's really thematic in First John chapter three. This this idea of being born of God, being in God's family. I really see two aspects to verse number one. I see that God's love is bestowed. So, John, as you just mentioned, bestowed. God chose to chose to love us. Um, he initiated love. For God so loved the world. So God bestowed his love upon us. And then the, the surprising part about that and, and the identifying part about that, I should say, is that we should be called the sons of God. So this now becomes our identity. I, I think about what it says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it. You know, he he loved us to identify with us, to make us his bride in that analogy here, uh, to make us his children, that we would be called after his name. So, wow. I mean, there's no greater, I think, indication of love than for someone to say, I want our entire identity to be wrapped up in each other. That's a great thought, Pastor. And it reminds me sometimes how we look at people who we say, oh, these people are unlovely. Who's going to love these people? But but all people are unlovely. Not all of us are sinners. All of us were apart from God. But God loved us. He loved the unlovely. And God wants us to have that same mentality where we look at people, you know, oh, that person is a rotten sinner. Well, they're, they're made in the image of God. They're a person whom God loves. And God wants us to love all those around us. And just as Jesus identified with us, as you mentioned, became sin for us, we ought to be willing to invest our lives in others, to identify with people around us, to share Christ's love with them, that they would know that Christ has died for them that they might be reconciled to God, that they might be part of God's family. You know, a person's name is indicative of his reputation. Uh, A person's name, the name of God stands for all that God is, his glory, his reputation, all the characteristics you can think about of God are wrapped up in his name. And to think that God wants us to be identified with him, to be called by his name why would God do that? Why would a perfect, holy, righteous God want me to be identified with him? What, what could I possibly bring to the name of God? What could I possibly bring to the enhancement of his character? And yet God loved me anyway. And I think that's the level of surprise. I think that's where John says, behold, You know, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called, that we should be identified 
with God. And then the Bible says, and because of that, because this is our identity, God loved us and we're identified with him as his children. Then the Bible says, so there's a result to that, the end of verse one, and that is, therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. So if God's love is manifest in the identity that we have with him, then why should we be surprised when the world doesn't understand us, when the world does not embrace us, when the world rejects us, because the world has rejected God. So if we're wrapped up in God, if we're called after his name, if we're his children, they're going to reject us as well. That's very true, Pastor. We find that really in this whole chapter right here, we're going to see this principle continued and defined more. John really sets the groundwork here. There are really two families. And here we have the family of God and we have the world, which we know follows the family of Satan, obviously. And we're going to find this carried out. But there's a stark differentiation here. If you are the family of God, you're not part of the world and the world's not going to love you. And Jesus told his disciples the same thing. Hmm. You know, if the world persecutes you, ex- expect that because you're my people, you're my servants and they, they're persecuting me. And so here John reminds us, we are God's family. We ought relish that fact. And we ought not try to be like the world. We ought to know that we are God's family and we are distinct from those who are not his family. And there's a a bit of a fine line because we're we're to strive to live at peace with all men. We certainly want to give an answer to every man that asks a reason of us. We want to be able to explain our faith. We want to be able to um, communicate uh, even through apologetics to explain who we are, why we believe, that we have a rational faith. And then on the other side, we have to understand, but there's, there's part of our experience as believers that people are just not going to get unless they too are born of God. So there's just something they're not going to understand. It'd be kind of like, you know, you have a family and there are things about your family that you just get intuitively because you've grown up together, because you have the same genetic makeup and, and you know, people can visit your family, but they're not going to fully understand your family unless they're, they're in your family. And I think that's the point that John is making in verse number one. And that, that is your right, Pastor, about that, that. That's what John wants us to realize. And notice that, John, I like what you said about how that how we treat the world is important. You know, we are to have a heart of love. And, and John is not saying here that we are to go out, you know, and be hateful to the world. He's just telling us the world's not going to appreciate what we're doing. They're not going to know who we truly are. As you mentioned, they can't really understand that. But that does not mean that we shun the world never around them or to be light and salt in the world. And so it is important that, yes, we as the family of God go out and we tell the world about who our great father is. So I know that chapter three is going to help us with a number of practical takeaways. But you think about the fact that love in in chapter three and verse one is expressed in identity. God loves us. And he's willing to identify with us. I think that's what love does. Love says, I'm not ashamed. The Bible says in Hebrews that that Jesus, one of the purposes of the incarnation, Hebrews chapter 2, was that Jesus was not ashamed to call us brethren. And he proved it by becoming man, by becoming human flesh. 
And when we love people, we're not ashamed to identify with them, uh, even though our association with them might might besmirch our character. Think about Jesus loving Matthew and the publicans and attending that feast and yet being criticized for it. It brought hurt to, quote unquote, his reputation, but it didn't matter because he loved them and was willing to identify with them. He was a friend of publicans and sinners that demonstrate his love that he had for them. You know, the Pharisees couldn't understand that. To them, if you really love God, you, you were distinct from the world, didn't mix with them. And they did not understand that really, if you do love God, you're going to love the people that God loves. And God loves the world. And Jesus evidences that to us, how we are to treat those who are not part of God's family. Look at verse number two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So it really, this is a huge verse theologically, by the way. When we think about salvation, we think about the scope of God's plan to rescue you and me. So God rescues us, spirit, soul, and body. There's not one part about you that God leaves on the side of the road. You know, God rescues all of us. And chapter two, uh, rather chapter three and verse two is speaking to that, that final stage, that final part of our rescue, the the rescue plan that God has for us. And this is a great passage of scripture, pastors are talking about how that it shows someday our redemption will be complete. You know, right now my my body has problems. Obviously I have an eye problem right now, but that's just part of human life. But I think it was 2 Corinthians 5 where Paul in his flesh talks about how he groans. He looks forward to that new body he's going to have someday. And someday, as you mentioned, Pastor, our redemption will be complete. Our, our, our body will be a glorified body. We will be the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. What will all that be like? I, I don't know for sure. But I do know that I will be redeemed with finality and completely because I will see him and I will be as he is. And, and don't you see, to the wonderful connection to God's love? So in verse number one, you know, what love God has that we should be called the sons of God. But think about it. As God's born ones, as those that have been born of God, you know, God's plan for us as our father, and that's the, that's the imagery that we're using in verses one and two, the father's love for us, you know, as sons of God, he wants to bring us to full maturity. He, he wants us to grow up unto him in all things. He wants us to become just like our older brother, the Lord Jesus. And what we find in verse two is the culmination of maturity. So when we're born again, that's the time and place in our life when we trust Christ as our savior. By faith, we believe in the sufficiency of Calvary, the, the work at Calvary, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And you know, when we, by faith, realize that we're sinners, realize that Jesus died for us, was buried, he rose again, we're trusting him, we're trusting him alone. And the Bible says at that point in our life, we're justified. We're declared to be righteous uh, by God. And really that that decision for Christ that, that invested faith inaugurates a process that we call sanctification. 
And sanctification is the process in our lives whereby the Spirit of God, who now dwells within us, uses God's Word to help us to become more like Jesus day by day. So we are, in that sense, being saved from the power of sin. But what the Bible teaches in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 is that one day we will be with Christ. When he shall appear, we shall see him, and then we will be like him. Our This body that we have will be made like unto his glorious body. We call that final stage of our salvation glorification. And that is the act whereby God makes the believer's body really match what his position is in Christ. So it's complete salvation. So I love it. God's love pursues us to the very end. God loves us so much that he wants to change us into the image of his son, Jesus. And that's what love does, by the way. Love doesn't say, hey, I love you just like you are so that you can stay like you are. No, love says, I love you right where you are, but I love you enough to bring you where you need to be. And that's really what salvation is. It sure is, Pastor. And and, and Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, Romans 8, a number of places talks about this same concept. We look forward to that day. And, and I, I'm glad that my salvation is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't have to wonder what's going to happen someday. I know that someday I'm going to be like him. I look forward to that great day when I will spend eternity with my Savior face to face. And I want to talk a bit more. We, we don't have time today. But John, let, let's talk a little bit more about when he shall appear because that's a time in our future. I think let's, let's talk about that. What does that mean? Our bodies will may, be made like unto his glorious body. What does that mean? We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. I think there's a lot here in verse two that I don't want to skim over. So we'll come back to it uh, tomorrow. Uh, my friends, appreciate you joining us today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.